17 of the Ask the Coach Show, where pink skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alloys Rosario. Welcome, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yes, it's been a little while since we've had a show, Alloys. Been a lot going on. It has. There has been a lot going on. We've been all over the place. So I was uh, I was in China for the China Para Open uh, in Beijing. That was a good event. Lots of fantastic uh, players there. Um, got back and been in Perth, Australia. Um, that's over on the west uh, the west coast of Australia. So only a you know four hour flight for for us from uh, from the east coast to the west coast. Yeah. So uh, so been out and about a bit. Traveling, so that's is that like almost halfway to Beijing? Not quite, probably. Well, Beijing was around twelve hours from yeah from Sydney, so we flew to Sydney and then to Beijing. So yeah, it's still still a long way because Beijing's right up north in China, obviously. So uh, yes, um, so a couple of big uh, big countries to cross: Australia first, and then then uh, then uh, once you even once you get into China, there's a long way up from there. Great. And did you get to do any sightseeing in Beijing? Yes, got to the Great Wall. So it's the third time I've had the chance to get to the Great Wall. So the first time I went was in about 1987, and it was minus 20 degrees. So <laughs> uh, so this time was was much nicer. Uh, you know, it was probably a 30 degree day, and um, yeah, nice and warm. So got to got to run around on the wall. It's pretty steep where we were, <laughs> Badaling. It, it, has it gotten steeper, or have you gotten older? It's definitely gotten steeper, Jeff. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think, think excellent. That. But but the, the the Great Wall is it really it really is great. I mean, it's it's a, what it's a name a, for a wall when it, it is great. It is, good, it is a good name. It is a good name. But it, like to just think that those guys built that wall over. I think they said you know like thousands of years, but it would have taken that long. It's just it's. <laughs> Very, very big wall, Jeff. It's just great. It's not your garden fence, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your garden fence, no. And it, and it just goes on and on and on. On and on and on, exactly. Yeah. Feel like your jokes, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Ah, nice little segue, Alois, because we've been away for a little while. I've got quite yes. a few jokes for everyone. Gee, um... Okay, I thought we had just avoided them, but... <laughs> no, 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 my... no, no. Here we go. Um, okay. Yeah, Alice, no. Yes, yeah. Dogs can't operate an MRI scanner, but yeah. cats can. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, and, you know, Alice, there was a footy player, and yeah. he was pretty scared of going onto a plane. Do you know why? Why, Jeff? Because he was really worried the coach was going to put him on the wing. <laughs> and I've saved the best for, for last, Alois. Well, I hope so. What is the best thing about Switzerland? Oh, the Alps. They're good. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm myself, I'm not really sure, but the flag is a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, a, it's, it's a massive plus. Uh, I, I, Jeff, they were actually almost funny. Have you been speaking to your son again? How did you know? I have actually. <laughs> because they were almost funny. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, once you find someone that's funny, you know, keep going back to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, can yeah, I, t- I tell you, we need to get him on the show. <laughs> get him on the show just to tell a few of the jokes. Yeah, get up on you. Right, we'll work on that. Okay, All good. Right. Well, moving on, Alois, what happened on this week? Yeah, well, it's well, it's a sort of on this week se- se- uh, segment this week. Because How about on this month? Not month. Even. Yeah, on this, let's go with on this month because we did miss the birthday of Dimitri of Chirov. Mm. So, yeah, so of Chirov, obviously, you know, one of the one of the greats of table tennis and uh, former number one at the start of this year. He was the number one player in the world. So, German hold player. on, Alice. We're in August and his birthday's in September, so maybe we should go on this year. Okay. No, we're in September now. Oh, we're in September. I can't even count. This is I terrible. See. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, Jeff? Like, do you even know your months? <laughs> <laughs> All right, just ignore me. It's on this month. Okay, on this month. Good, yeah. So, yeah, his birthday was actually on the 2nd of September, so it's like almost half a month ago. But It's um, almost on so this he was week. Born in... <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, so he was born in 1988, Jeff, so that makes him pretty old. It does. It makes 30. him 30. The big three O. Wow, Dimmy. Well, yeah, we uh, we were lucky enough to see uh, Dimmy in Australia. Not for very long. Open. No, yeah, he lost to uh, Lin Gao Yuan, I think, from China in the first round. But mm. uh, but uh, he did he did hang around and he um, he did a bit of sightseeing in Australia and, and quite enjoyed his time here. So hopefully he'll be back. He uh, he was shown the sights by uh, the. The president of the Geelong Table Tennis Association. We know uh, the event was held in Geelong. You know, it was, he, he, uh, so Eden Turner showed him the sights, and so hopefully uh, Dimmy enjoyed Australia and will be back next year. Let's hope so. Yes, awesome, indeed. So, so yeah, I suppose a little bit about Dimmy. So he's won the World Cup singles um, in 2017. He's also won some Olympic medals. So he won silver in the teams in Beijing in 2008. Um, bronze in the singles in 2012, as well as a bronze in the teams in 2012, and a bronze in the teams again in 2016 in Rio. So, yeah, four Olympic medals is a good haul for anyone. Mm, very impressive. Yeah, and um, and also he's won the European singles championships uh, twice in 2013 and 2015, and uh, and. Uh, in our tournament se- section coming up shortly, we'll tell you a little bit about the European Championships too. Yeah, and of course, he's won the World Cup as well, Alloys. That's very impressive. Yeah, the World Cup's huge. The World Cup's uh, a big event. So he won that in 2017 in Liege. So, um, yeah. Good, Brilliant. Uh, so if we're doing one, on this month, Alloys, surely there's some more birthdays. Well, yeah. So, well, the more of the on this week it was uh, is Jang Wujin. The Korean player. Um, so he was born in 1995, so he's not very old. No, he's not like, very old at all. 23. 23. But, and Stefan Fegerel from Austria, just over the border from uh, from uh, Dimmer, uh, was born on the 12th of September, 1988. So just uh, 10 days after Dimmy. Wow, 10 days younger. There you go. Exactly. Must have been a good... Uh, Good time of the good time of the year in that part of the world. I reckon. Tennis yeah. players. Yeah. Well, Alois, you mentioned it before, so let's move on to the tournament wrap. What have you got for us? Yes. 
So the tournament wrap, uh, we might go into the European Championships because they're coming up in uh, Spain on the 18th of September. So um, that's always always a good tournament. I like the, um, the European uh, Championships. Um, you know, like players like Waldner really made their mark in um, at the European Championships. So, uh, mm. yes, I mean, the players playing, you know, Samsonov, Fegarel is there playing, um, Harbishon, Gardoz, um, yeah, so really, really strong, uh, strong field again. You know, the Germans, all the Germans will be there. Um, Bol, uh, Ovcharov, Francisca, um, that'll be a strong team again. What about some look. French? Is um, Gauzy playing? Yeah, Gauzy will be there. Lebeshon, uh, Robineau. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and um, yeah, so strong, strong um, competition. And, you know, we always say any competition without the Chinese there it becomes interesting again, doesn't it? So um, so we'll see how uh, who can who can step up to the plate and win this uh, win the big European championships. So yeah. that's uh, that's coming up uh, in a little while still still yeah, the 18th it starts. So it starts next week, but uh, worth keeping an eye out for that one. Oh, that sounds good. And um, have there been any uh, tournaments played while we've been away? Yeah, last last show we mentioned the Nigerian Open, mm. uh, so that was held. Um, and just looking at the results, so in the men's singles, you know, our mate Quadri, Quadri got through. Quite a good uh, doubles Quadri, player. Quadri Aruna, um, yes. So you know, beat uh, Hashard from France in the final four two. Um, yeah, Rumge uh, from Scotland made the semis. That's a good result for Gavin Rumgay. Yes. Uh, and uh, and the other semi was uh, a Thai player whose name I can't pronounce because it's very very long. But um, but yeah, so so interesting tournament. But but Quadri will be very very pleased to uh, to take the the men's singles title for sure. Yeah. And in the in the women's, uh, a few Chinese players there. So Guo Yan. Uh, one from Sun Chen. So again, you know that it's interesting with the young Chinese players at these events and uh, really trying to make their mark. You know, these guys, these are the guys that are trying to step up and impress the coaches, trying to make it into the top four, the big four in the Chinese team. So uh, so Guo Yan and uh, Sun Chen uh, playing the final there and. Uh, Guoyan winning 4-3 in the final of the women's singles. So, yeah, some some interesting events, not huge events, but interesting events uh, uh, there as well. Very good. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, now, Alois, it is time you know to... The, you know the sad thing so far, Jeff? What is the sad thing? I reckon, I reckon the uh, joke segment's been the best part so far. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh, I'm well, going to have to look my game. I'm going to have to invent some tournaments or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Oh well, we've got some really good segments coming up, so hopefully we can, you know. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. So uh, first up, let's go straight to the trill of the week, which of course is our brilliant name for the tip and the drill of the week. Yeah, we are brilliant like that. Um, so the trill of the week. Um, so last week or last month, I don't know when been a while um so the last show um what we talked about the importance of the grip and the variations of the advanced grip so hopefully you've had a chance to experiment a little bit with your grip just um 
just changing your grip slightly um, to be, being able to, you know, get a little bit more spin on the forehand, backhand, that sort of thing. But as we said last time, you know, initially it's important that you keep a pretty stable grip when you're learning, uh, just so you're getting the feel for the, the strokes correctly. But yes, as you start to get a little bit more advanced, um, you can start to just change your grip slightly. And this was brought about by uh, watching the Japanese players in the training hall of the Australian Open when they were doing that banana flick and just getting that grip so far around um, into the back end grip to, uh, to play that stroke. Yeah, it is amazing to watch, isn't it? And just see how much it's changed over time and how much they are, you know, altering the grip between some strokes. And they, yes. they do it pretty well and pretty seamlessly. They don't seem to get caught out very often. That's right, exactly. Yeah, and that's because they just they naturally t- change their bat in their hand. Yeah, and and I think you know we talk about extreme grips there, but they are also um, able to to adjust it quickly enough so that when the ball comes back to them, you know, in any position they'll they'll be able to adjust. So it's not like they're changing the grip extremely and you know having a tight grip. They're really, uh, it's really pliable in their hand as well. Yeah, indeed. So that was that was last last time's um, tip or drill of the week. So this week we're going to talk about making your serve legal. Mm. Now we, we we have talked a lot about you know improving your serve and getting your serve better and you know getting more spin and working on your placement, but getting it legal is also really important. If you doing a serve regularly and suddenly in a match situation you get pulled up for your serve being illegal, they, it can really throw your whole game completely. So this was, um, this was this sort of came up at the China Open for us and one of the players, you know, did get pulled up for their serves Ooh. and had to, had to then change what he was doing uh, halfway during the match. And even though it was really marginal as to, you know, what he was doing, and in fact, you know, I, I probably think that the serve was legal, but just the fact that the umpire uh, thought there was a little bit of um, doubt there means that, you know, you do have to clean it up and you do need to make sure that your serve is perfectly legal so that those situations don't crop up again um, in in a match situation. So, and, and it's easy enough to do, you know. I mean, you can, you can serve very legally and have a very good serve. So when you are practicing your serve, you know, just make sure it's completely legal, that you're not going to have any problems with, you know, with, um, with umpires or even with your teammates or, you know, it won't get into any disputes in, um, in your league matches or your pennant matches. So, yeah, just, just get it legal. Yeah. I mean, that is good advice because then you're not going to run into any problems. But what I still find a little frustrating is when you see um, some umpires like calling faults in a final when they've just gone through all the previous rounds, not had an issue, no one's called it. I think you just need consistency. So, um, yeah, don't don't suddenly call it in the final. If you're going to be strict on it, call it all the way through. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think anyway. And, yeah. you, you know, some of the rules, like the the throwing the ball up almost vertical, like you watch a lot of the players, they're not throwing it up, like, straight up, and no one seems to ever get called for that. So, again, can we maybe alter the rules or or either alter them or enforce them? I don't mind which one. Yeah. 
it's um yeah it's an it's an age old problem in table tennis and it and it's not it's not really changing. I think we need to really you know just let's push hard, Jeff. Let's see if we can <laughs> uh, someone somewhere yes and uh, and get some consistency with these rules. Yeah, indeed. All right, but let's not dwell on that. Let's move on to the questions, Alois. Well, I'm excited. Oh, yes. I'm glad you're Here excited. We go. Because Julian is yes. too. Julian says, hello. What I've noticed about myself is that during matches, I tend to get a little bit too overexcited after I make an amazing or a lucky point. He says, perhaps it's great defence by me or great offence. Whatever though, I always have a hard time staying in focus uh, during and even after the point, which then leads me to play much poorly and the opponents gaining the advantage. So do you have any tips for Julian on staying in the zone while playing and good ways to recover after a really good point? Yeah, that's that's a that's a really important thing, Julian, because you know you often say um, it's not the big point that you really have to focus on; it's those ones after the big point because they're worth just the same. Um, in fact, you know, I reckon it was Dennis Neal, one of the great English players from many moons ago, um, who uh, I heard say that, and I've always remembered uh, that quote because you know. Often you'll see players, you know, they'll play a great point. Um, you know, they might hit an unbelievable shot, but then their focus goes all over the shop and then they end up losing the next two or three points, you know, and suddenly you, you've lost three for one. Mm. So how do you, how do you um, curb that? I suppose the, the most important thing is to just, after you uh, win that big point or lose that big point or, you know, have a lucky point or unlucky point, it's really important to just get back to focusing on uh, that next point. So, you know, we've, we've talked to you previously about things like your pre-point routine. Those things are really important. And especially after a big point, it's important to get back into your pre-point routine so that you play the next point just the same. If you're still thinking about the last point, then there's no chance of you playing the next point um, with good focus and playing it to the best of your ability. So um, pre-point routine for me is number one key. And things that you, other things you can think about, just, you know, really taking a a good deep breath um, into your abdominals so that you're calming yourself back down again, Um, you know, get your heart rate back down um, and then uh, then go, you know, think about your tactics, you know, just go through that whole pre-point routine to help yourself to get back to, to a, a calm state. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so great question, Julian, and uh, yeah, great answer, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right. Is now, that the highlight of the show so far? Oh, easily. Take... Okay, good. Easily. I mean, if someone's listening to that and just take away that bit of advice, that's going to help their game immensely. So it's a gem. It's a, it's a gem. gem. That's it right. is. It is. Um, and let, let's see if we can even, you know, let's even give someone two gems. Wow. All right. This is a question from Martin and he says, I struggle a lot with a long underspin or backspin serve placed in my backhand corner or even into my crossover point. He says, I usually have some side spin too and I try a small backhand loop, but the ball usually goes into the net. And if I try a straight return, it goes wide because of the side spin and I struggle to lift the ball. 
And he, he says the feeling is that the ball approaches him very quickly and there's not enough time. So he's wondering, does he stand too close or is it just the reaction time? And so he says, just putting the ball back on the table puts me under pressure straight away and he thinks his best chance is to attack. So how can he better prepare to return this type of serve, Alois? Yeah, so Martin, I think I think you've, you've hinted at the, one of the, the things there and that is to just take half a step back away from the table. So... You know, if you're finding that the player is is utilising that serve a bit, just take half a step back. It one, it um, he'll see that and it'll discourage him from serving that serve as well, um, and which you know, which is the serve that's troubling you. But if he does serve that, you've also got a little bit extra time to be able to react to it. Now, the, I think one thing to to know and to note is that when that serve comes fast at you, it will feel a lot heavier than um, than a, a slower ball because that ball's going in and out of your rubber really quickly. So it'll feel, feel like heavy backspin when it's, when it's really fast. So the key is to have a little bit more vertical stroke and a shorter stroke. So you don't need a big stroke, but just a short vertical stroke to really lift that ball up and over the net. Um, you're definitely right in your um, strategy of trying to attack that ball. So, you know, eventually you want to make an attack. You want to make that um, a better attack that's going to go on the table all the time and be effective. You know, at the moment, perhaps the stroke isn't good enough yet. That's okay. But I want you to keep uh, persevering with that stroke and keep trying to make the backhand topspin attack because that eventually is going to be the best way to improve your game. Yeah, yeah, good advice. And I kind of feel that this is really a stroke that needs a bit of confidence because um, to kind of get that brushing contact and to counter the backspin, you actually need the the bat moving quite fast, but then you need like a this fine brushing contact as well. And if you get a little bit nervous, you tend to sort of slow the stroke down maybe, and then, then you don't get that brushing contact and it can often go in the net. So I think once you practice it a lot and gain that confidence, that really helps. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And just to have the, as you say, just to get that racket head speed through the ball to be able to lift it. Otherwise, the ball just, you know, dies and goes into the net. Yeah. Yeah. And I think initially a lot of people are scared to like do it too fast because they'll think they'll hit it off the end. But I almost think maybe sometimes that can be like a better way to miss than, than missing into the net. Yes, indeed. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Good. All right. Great question, Martin. All right. And again, another gem, Alois. Love it. Gem. That's two gems. Good. All right. Now, Justin's got a question. He says, Hi, I have noticed that when a fastball is hit to my forehand side, but close to my crossover point, instead of sidestepping or adjusting my body, my natural reaction is to lift my elbow and block with my backhand. This has always worked for me, but in order to advance my game, should I force myself to block close to my body with my forehand even if it doesn't feel natural with me. He says, I've been working on improving my forehand, and especially the, the counting and looping, but I'm always most confident playing a backhand, even if it's on the forehand side. So do you have any suggestions on what Justin should do? Yeah, so Justin, um, I don't think it's a terrible thing that you're playing backhands from that middle position. Like, you know, again, if you, if you think about the game 10, 15 years ago, you know, everyone would try to play a forehand in that position. I think now, you know, your backhand can be strong enough 
to pl- to cover that middle area with your with your backhand, especially if you're um, more natural on the backhand side. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about um, covering the ball with the backhand. Perhaps you know think about making a more effective backhand from that position. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress too much. You know, you probably stand fairly square onto the table, which will uh, which will mean that you'll tend to play that middle ball more with the backhand. If you really do want to think about playing more with a forehand, then just turn turn your feet a little bit more so that you're you know facing your forehand side, um, and that might help to open up the forehand a little bit more, but. You know, I really wouldn't stress too much about it, Justin. I'd just think about improving your backhand stroke there in that middle area. Yeah, that, that's a good tip. And I guess the important thing is not just to kind of lift your elbow and, and move the bat over, because as you said, Alice, you need to work on playing a really effective backhand, but maybe even move your move your feet across so that you get in a good position and can play that backhand from in front of your, your stomach and then play a really effective backhand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think then the other thing to think about is that that you're not chasing the backhand too wide on your forehand side. Mm-hmm. And the the critical factor there will be are you leaving a gap on your backhand on the next ball? So, you know, if you're moving too far over to your forehand corner to play backhands and then they can just block the next ball into your backhand corner um, and win the point, then um, then it means that you're probably leaving too much of a gap and you need to be playing those balls with your forehand. So it's always, uh, you know, just that decision-making around that middle area is really important and, and that crossover point, um, you know, working out where you want to play forehands, where you want to play backhands um, for yourself. But for each person, it is different. And that's why I say, you know, if, if just to the right-hand side of your um, shoulder, you know, if you feel more comfortable playing backhands and you can cover the, the whole backhand area doing that, then go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we saw at the Australian Open and in all the times you watched, the backhand of the top players now is just so incredible, especially off the receive of serve. But even during the rallies, like, just amazing. So, yeah, the backhand certainly becoming very more popular. And Alice, yeah. that is three gems in a row. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I reckon. What, what's that? I'm sure there's some some of the one of those silly phone games that have gems in it. What what, what are they called? Um, Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here's your last opportunity, Alloys, to go four from four. This is okay. A, this is a question from Thomas. He says, "Hi guys, love your receiving options video." He says, "If my main opponents push almost everything." Should I concentrate on serving pendulum side spin, backspin side spin, and top spin? He says I'm not very good at it yet. Or backspin serves to get some free, uh, to get some sweet free points or some sitters off my serve. Yeah, um, Thomas. You know, we we often talk about the service percentages. You know, of eighty percent short, twenty percent long, but that always needs to change. So if you are up against an opponent that is only going to push um, and be defensive, then you can start to think about serving a few more serves long. Um, if you can load it up with a lot of topspin and they're not able to keep the ball down, um, you know, then that's a good option. Um, but sometimes if you serve the ball long 
and they're pushing, they can generate a lot of backspin on that as well. So it's really a matter of checking out the opponent, that particular opponent you're playing against, work out what serves are effective against them. So, you know, for me, I would start by serving a few long topspin serves, see how they cope with it. If they if they control that well, then I'd go long backspin um, and see if they're having problems keeping it low or, um, you know, or if it gives you an easier ball to attack. If they're effective with their return, then I'd start to mix in a few more short serves and um, you know mix up between short and long, and then just work the percentages um, so that um, you know that you're gaining the advantage from the return. So it's not it's not just one thing that you need to do. It's exploring your options, seeing which serve works best against that particular opponent, and also. Yeah, we always talk about this. It's also the placement of it. So, you know, you can serve that long topspin serve to their backhand. They might control it beautifully. Serve that long topspin serve to their middle or forehand, and they might really struggle. So also explore the positions on the table, the depth on the table, um, and the spin uh, with your serves. And, you know, eventually you'll find something. You'll find something that is better for you. Great question. Great answer. That's four from four. Awesome work. What a way to finish off the show, Alice. Just brilliant. I'll have to go and find that. What's that game called? <laughs> Candy Crush. Candy Crush, yeah. That's it. Yeah, you're a bit old now. Uh, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it's good to be back. Good to hear the great great questions coming through and, and the great advice. Wonderful. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> and, and, what, what, and, mate, can you just go and talk to your son again before our next show? Because... Uh, <laughs> We need some more. We need some more jokes from him. <laughs> some more quality jokes. Okay, I'll be sure. Something that's funny. <laughs> I'll be sure to go seek out some excellent quality jokes. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you once again for listening. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. and of course, thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks, listeners. All right. See you shortly. Bye, everyone. <laughs>